<laughs> Hello, I'm Pete Can, laughter leader, positive thinker, and entrepreneur. And you're listening to Laughter and Positivity with Pete, where each week I'll bring you tips and tricks to lead a happier, more positive life. Ready? Let's go. Hey guys, it's Laughter and Positivity with Pete, and this week you are joined, or we are joined, not 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 just you, it's we, uh, by uh, by a a friend that I'm starting to get to know quite well, um, and we'll go into that in a minute, Richard. So Excellent. it's Richard Scott, and Hello. Richard, um, your uh, little, no, you tell you tell us, you tell mm. us who you are. Okay, who I am? How deep is that question? Okay. As far as work goes, I help to run different businesses and charities and a social enterprise, as well as my own business, which does two things. I run virtual workshops doing things like website in a day, taking people from nothing to finished products in a day. So they're all launched and live. But I also, rather for fun, run a pet sitting business, traveling the country, using other people's homes as my office and exploring strange new worlds amazing amazing and do you know what it's um it's really interesting you say about the website in a day because i know actually some people that listen to this podcast would probably not have a website actually um and they maybe use facebook as their their mm-hmm. platform for advertising and you know i think everybody needs a website of some sort it doesn't have to be all singing or dancing but we need a shop window don't we richard we absolutely do need a shop window so that people can find us A lot of people might sort of think that they need a website when they could do with Facebook, they could do with a different landing page somewhere else. It's all about what people really need, not what is pushed onto them. So I'm very much focused on what people really need, why they need it, who's going to use it, how they're going to use it, and so many other things. Fantastic, fantastic. So so Richard, usually on this podcast, I have laughter yoga professionals, laughter yogis as guests. Uh, but every now and then I come across a, a certain type of person that I think actually you'd be really beneficial to come on the show. And um, we, 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 we have started this podcast already, Richard. Um, we, we got halfway through and you were pet sitting at the time, weren't you? And um, boss. <laughs> and the internet, internet was not as stable so we, we're gonna um, we're gonna go second second time lucky here and um so the reason i wanted to bring you onto the show was because when we first got chatting online uh you mentioned uh about the fact that you used to be a diver um high board and diver and you started talking about breathing and i was like whoa 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 wait definitely laughter and breathing are very very similar they they obviously are similar because they're the same thing so so tell us a little bit about your background when it comes to diving okay um i'll go all the way back first there were two amoeba in a pond no maybe not that far back what i'll sort of start with was when i was about eight years old i actually was diagnosed with asthma just like a lot of kids um you're diagnosed with you know with breathing difficulties and they said it was asthma and I was actually in an oxygen tent with a collapsed lung for a couple of weeks and really wasn't in a great state and my breathing's always been one of those things I've never been able to run to save myself and um, so it was always very very difficult and then when I went to university I actually discovered these things called diving boards and I saw lots of people on the diving boards I thought oh I can do that and I kept doing that and learning lots of different techniques and I soon realized after a few days of diving how all of my symptoms of asthma pretty much disappeared kind of overnight. And it got me thinking, well, why? What, what was it about the swimming? What was it about the diving? 
that was actually causing my asthma to go away. And um, I then sort of went through periods where I didn't die for a, a few weeks and it started to come back again. And I started to look at what exactly were the patterns. And I'm the sort of person who will analyze everything to its nth degree and really tried to actually find a underlying formula. And one of the things that I sort of discovered was that when you actually exercise a muscle, if you go all the way from full extension one way all the way to the other way, you're obviously using that whole muscle pretty evenly. But when you've got asthma, you're almost panic breathing. You're actually gasping. You're trying to really work hard and you're actually only using, you're going like five, five steps left to five steps right rather than a thousand steps left to a thousand steps right. So you're only really exercising that bit of the muscle in the middle. So that bit is working overtime and that bit is really a bit like Popeye's arms, a bit awesome in the middle, but flat the rest of the way. And so I started to realize that as I was doing my diving, I was actually starting to work more of that muscle. So I was rather than going 5% left and 5% right, I was actually going 50% left and 50% right. And then I started to realize that actually if I use the whole range of my muscle all the way in and all the way out of my intercostal muscles on my, on my lungs, I could actually really get rid of all signs of asthma without even needing to go swimming too. But with, with the diving, you know, it was great because it could actually then, I'd be holding my breath, I'd be changing from going at the surface where you got like one atmosphere of pressure down to five meters where you're obviously you've got a change in pressure. So my lungs were really being sort of put through the paces and it was really, really helping me because I was actually really starting to, for the first time in my life, use the entire capacity of my lungs and the entire capabilities of my muscles. Whereas prior to that, I was only using a fraction and panicking in the process. And were you, so when you say you asked me, were you on inhalers as well? Yep, I, I was. I used to... Um, use the spinhalers and ventolin and salbutamol and all of that sort of stuff, which are kind of all pretty much um, all trying to do one thing, which is to open up the airways, whether it's by steroids or otherwise. And um, like, I didn't find I just didn't need to use any of those. Once I'd started diving, I just felt no need to, because there was no panicky situations where I struggled to breathe anymore. And one of the things I also discovered was if you actually, a lot of people say breathe in, and then breathe out. And I discovered that actually, if you breathe in, what you're doing is you're actually putting good air on top of bad and trying to push that bad air deeper in. And the better way was actually to breathe all the way out first to get rid of all of the bad air, all of the allergens, the pollen, dust, you name it, everything that's built up in my lungs before I replenished it with fresh air. So that fresh air could go all the way to the bottom of my lungs without having to go through that bad air first, which also then meant that I was able to use a whole range of my lungs, get a really, really good euphoric lifted feeling because the air was actually getting into where it needed to get to. The oxygen could actually get to the end of my lungs rather than having to fight through all of that dirt and grime and all the horrible stuff that you don't tend to normally breathe out first. But there's that yeah. trust as well that you've got to actually exercise where you've got to trust that you can get rid of it all before you can breathe it all in. And that's something which people are obviously a little bit anxious about. But once you understand that actually by getting it out of the way, you clear room for good, it suddenly starts to make a lot of sense. And I've worked with lots of people and they've all, every single one of them, has gotten rid of their symptoms of asthma. Which is, you know, it, 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 sort of bring it to laughter a little bit. That, yeah. That's sort of where where we, you know, as we, when we're doing laughing exercises, we're, we're sort of obviously doing deep breathing in, in and out, but ultimately the, the, the laughing is the, the, the exhale. And 
you know, when you get to that uncontrollable laughter, which, you know, especially when you're running a laughter yoga session, you yeah. get there every time that yeah. actually, you know, that just you are emptying your lungs completely of all of that stale stale air basically and you're right and there's so many bits corners and i even learned that i didn't even know your lungs went up your shoulders i didn't know that yeah. i learned that at the weekend it's just like you empty all of the this lung capacity to the point where you then go <gasps> and you just take that big breath yeah. of air which ultimately is then going to get all the blood pumping around the body it's going to fire up your endorphins that into you know those, those euphoric moments of dopamine and serotonin all the good stuff and it's like so um so, and, so and also i was going to say the uncontrollable laugh one of the other benefits to the, to the laughter side of things is that it actually almost every single time you you chuckle and go he 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 ha 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 it actually shakes those lungs and actually helps to disturb all of that stuff that's built up which helps that to get out of the way again giving so much room for the good as you breathe in again absolutely yeah. laughter is the way it is the way it is the way definitely so so you obviously did you know like you say deep deep or spring springboard high diving yeah um then and you said you noticed the difference in symptoms quite early on but but what because there must have been a moment where you went right there i'm I'm breathing better yeah yeah i mean what can you remember that that sort of time that that happened um i pretty much can actually and i remember sort of thinking that like all of my struggles, you know, running around campus at university, doing all sorts of things, I, I felt that they just weren't there anymore. I, a bit like um, as, as if sort of like I'd been sort of cloned overnight and given a new body. It was very, very strange that I suddenly thought, hold a second, actually do these things. I did try a bit of running and I still look just as stupid. But as far as the sort of swimming, cycling and everything else is concerned, that really just I found I had a new whole lease of life. And, and did you and did you put the inhaler away straight away at that point, or you always kept it to the side just in case? And uh, for for a while, I kept it with me. Um, and uh, if there was a, a period where I wasn't able to exercise for whatever reasons, whether it's because I was studying or, or if I was ill, then suddenly everything started to close up again, and the lungs started to really kind of come back in again. But once I'd learned that little magic formula of using the whole range of my lungs all the way out, all the way in, and actually they're making it natural. So not forcing it. So not you're not making every single breath all the way out and all the way in, but you're actually doing that fairly frequently. It suddenly meant that I just didn't need the, the inhaler. I still kept it around for a, quite a while, but you know, quite frankly, I couldn't even tell you if I've got one in the house anymore. It's amazing, amazing, especially since, like you say, you know, when you were younger and you were in the in a tent mm. and everything. It's um, you know, I think a lot of people in life is, you know, that there's a lot of people that would have been dealt that hand and just gone right yeah. a mathematic. That's just what it, yeah. I can't do that. I can't do this. Whereas actually, you just naturally found something that you enjoyed as well, which obviously oh, helped. Yeah. It oh, does yeah. help, doesn't it? When you when you, you you're not doing it because you you know it's good for you, but then it started becoming good for you as yeah. well. So then it was a win win sort Absolutely. of thing. So so you you've done other diving as well because we obviously spoke about um, scuba as well. Absolutely. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Was that pre or post um, high board? It was kind of um, slightly post, uh, and um, asthma and scuba diving don't generally tend to go hand in hand. And in fact, I remember being in Australia many years ago, and uh, I needed to actually send away to the UK for a copy of my medical, because if I did a medical in Australia, what they did is if you actually had a history of asthma, 
they would actually inject by spray seawater into your lungs until you had an asthma attack and then work out whether you were fit to go diving, which to me didn't really sit right. So I wanted to go diving. I'd been scuba diving before and had to actually go through um, to get that medical to get past it. But asthma, obviously, is one of those things that just um, allow, it forces people to breathe quicker because obviously you're using a smaller range of your lungs, but you're actually really sort of like vacuuming the air around you. And so you can go through a tank of air a lot quicker. But because I'd actually learned to breathe better, I could actually slow down my consumption of air because the air that I was breathing was all getting through rather than like, I don't know, 50% of it being wasted because it had to then challenge against all of the rest of the gump that was actually stirring about in my lungs. Um, I, I also sort of didn't mention that I used to be, well, I still technically am, allergic to dogs, cats, house dust, houses, mites, tree pollen, grass pollen, shrub pollen, so much stuff that when I actually had my allergy tests, they all joined up. So, you know, the actual allergy dots on my arms actually formed big, thick lines. And, um, you know, so me being a pet sitter, you think, how the heck can you be a pet sitter? Mm -hmm. And it's only because I've actually got that ability that my lungs are good enough that if they're dragged down a bit by the pets, it doesn't affect me enough to actually even show. So having that ability to clear it has actually enabled me to have lots of animals in my life, whereas before I did have animals in my life and I've kind of paid the price and suffered a lot. Hi, it's Pete here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I have a little favour to ask. If you are enjoying this episode, then why not press that share button and help spread the power of laughter with your network? Anyway, on with the episode. Yeah, yeah. So, so if we go just back to the the scuba, because obviously there's people that that do scuba or yeah. don't scuba, don't don't know about it, maybe. And then when you say yeah. you go through a tank of air quickly, I mean, what what would you say an average time if you were a a, a good had good lung capacity? Yeah. You have to be ultra because I know there's people that you know there's competitions of how long you can stay down, which isn't always the best thing to do, to be fair. But yeah. um, so so what would you say like an average tank length would be for somebody? So um, it depends on how deep and the whole raft of other factors. But if you were down for, let's say, 45 minutes in the water, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, you'd use up a, um, you know, if you've got measures of, let's say, 200 bar, you'd be down to your, your reserve at 50 bar or sort of like just, just above that within 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can get a good amount of time actually having a good old swim around. And the, the less you exert yourself, the more your air lasts, the, the further you can actually go as well, because you're not paddling like crazy, you're just sort of gliding along. But if you had asthma, then that air, you probably suck through it in about 15 or 20 minutes. Wow. And that, so that's can, why you can't go down. Or you're, are you allowed to that's dive why if you're asthmatic? Or? You can, but you need a, a doctor's medical, which is what I had before because I had a history of it, you, you, mm. you need the doctor's medical and they will look at your um, breath um, strength. There's something called a spirometer, um, which uh, you used to get as an asthmatic. Um, and you used to actually breathe into this tube and you kind of like put it on. It's like a really big sort of like thick tube and you blow on it re- as hard as you possibly could. You know, and like you try blowing with your mouth wide open. Yep, you've not really got much force and you're trying to do this. And if you've got asthma, it's a heck of a lot of hard work. But once you've actually eliminated a lot of those symptoms of asthma, then it's pretty easy. And so on that spirometer, somebody with asthma might be, let's say, getting 250, 300 on the range. But without asthma, you can be getting 500, 600, 700 quite easily. And so 
having that a force that you can use gives you so much more range on the things you can do, which has allowed me to dive on several continents and see some amazing things, which I would have never got to achieve, never got to actually experience and enjoy had I not had that lucky discovery, shall we say, of figuring out that actually breathing and laughter are some great ways in order to help to clear your mind, clear your lungs and clear your future. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like that's like an advert right there. There you go. Take <laughs> that sound bite. <laughs> uh, so, so Richard, then, so, so you obviously, uh, when you got the doctor's note, yeah, had how did they like? Because ultimately, you had asthma. So, did they get? Was yeah. it gauged on how many times you had been to see the doctor in the past so many years for the symptoms? How many times you'd had your inhaler? How many times? I mean, how did they give you like the all clear so that you could actually dive? Well, um, when I was, um, I studied at university. I've done various different things. I studied neuroscience, then I studied marine biology, molecular genetic engineering, and all this sort of stuff virology which is very interesting by by today's standards uh, but when i was doing a lot of the marine biology stuff involved doing a lot of scuba diving so everybody else in my class had to do scuba diving and so we all sort of went for this almost like group medical to get chest x-rays make sure there were no sort of like anomalies there and basically prove that your lungs were were all right and if you sort of said that they were all right the doctors kind of like potentially sort of did a little tick in a box um uh sort of you know sort of like listen to you the, your lungs make sure there's no fluid in there and um, make sure you could breathe properly and it wasn't that arduous a medical but that was 30 years ago by today's standards i don't know how how they measure it i would probably guess that they'd have some sort of spirometer type mechanism to measure the strength and force of your lungs but it's something as i say people can work on so if you really want to go scuba diving then get practicing with your lungs it will be better for you long-term, help you to recover, help you to actually gain some better habits because obviously it becomes a habit breathing all the way in and all the way out and getting that full range. But also, as I say, it will actually then enable people to, to be able to go scuba diving because it is a great, fun thing to do. Some people might say, oh, I don't want to be underwater, but it's a whole different world and it is great fun to, to, uh, to experience, as you well know. I do know. I've been scuba diving. I've done probably about 50. D-ish dive so yeah I, I'm definitely addicted it's, it's just something it's just really tranquil when you're under there yeah. just you, just the sound of your own breath really and then mm-hmm. obviously then you then you're lucky enough to see like you say yeah, sharks turtles big yes. fish sometimes yeah. you get some reef as well nowadays not so much unfortunately because that's sort mm. of moving on but it's um so so have you ever spoken to a doctor since you've said actually this works and this has helped me um i have um and a lot of the doctors will kind of go yeah well that makes perfect sense and and that's great um obviously unless you're a doctor you can't claim to cure anything and i'm not trying to claim to cure anything what i'm doing is i'm saying i'm alleviating all symptoms so you can get rid of any real trace and you know maybe there is a tiny trace still in there if i use only 95 percent of my lungs or but certainly there's no real trace of it anymore, apart from my medical records, the fact that I used to have the old um, Ventolin and, and, and um, uh, little episodes where basically I was triggered because I, I also had a bit of an episode when I was 21 when I had a pet seagull living in my house. Uh, it had broken its wing, so I took it home to look after it and I was, I was allergic to it. So 
uh, that kind of uh, aggravated me quite a lot. So I wasn't diving during those weeks when I was actually looking after it. And I noticed the difference. And that was really quite, quite bad. But uh, my parents got a German Shepherd, as in a dog, because obviously, you know, it'd be silly to bring along a German Shepherd. But anyway, um, uh, so they had a German Shepherd and that had really, really long hair, which was also setting me off. So there's things that have actually set me off over the years. Mm. But because I've had the confidence to know how to deal with it, it's actually meant that I knew that I would survive. I knew that I'd be all right. There was no need to panic. Don't panic. I just didn't need to panic then. It was just something I could actually just get through by having more of a calm head. And that makes all the difference. It's the same with scuba diving. It's the same with everything else. If you've got a calm head, you can actually then just enjoy what you're doing. And enjoyment is really, let's face it, what life's pretty much about. Well, I think you're right, you know, is when you say having a calm head and it's even even in work life, you know, and it's, it's, it, life can be stressful. It can, mm-hmm. things can happen. But actually, if you keep the calm head or or even, I suppose, if you've you witnessed an accident or something it's the yeah. person that comes along with that calm headspace and just you know maybe afterwards and i've had done this myself i've witnessed a couple of accidents in the past where i've been quite you know on it when i'm there i'm just like right let's get a blanket let's get this and do, do. and then it's when you step no away. time for a picnic no it's not at all but but you know it's, it's i didn't have sandwiches but i wanted some okay. hot water um but anyway um but the point is like when you step away afterwards and you have that moment of just like whoa okay that was quite yeah full on that happened there in, but in the zone exactly exactly so right people are listening and there, there may even be some mathematics in the yes. in the room at the moment listening so what do you do then How, can you can you run through a couple of oh breath absolutely exercises? yep definitely what I'd say is make sure that you are somewhere where nobody is going to disturb you. Because obviously, if you're breathing out and somebody disturbs you and you're not able to breathe back in again quickly, it might be a bit of a shocking experience. And the key thing is to literally just breathe out, hold it, and then breathe in again. So if you do an exercise where you breathe out, but if you do it in little stages where you're going to go and kind of count aloud, it actually also causes a bit of a vibration of the lungs, not as good as laughing and not as good as that. But it's a step in the same direction where you can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you stop at like eight, hold it you know, as you breathe out and then breathe all the way in. Stop for a couple of seconds and then breathe out to a position of rest. So you always know that position of rest. So call that zero. So you're going to breathe out to like minus eight, breathe into plus 15 and then back to minus eight. And then you're going to get to a point where you'll actually breathe out as much as you can and keep on breathing all the way out till you've got absolutely nothing left in your lungs and you can really squeeze every little drop out. And then breathe in and then sort of go back to that neutral point again. The key is always to go back to that neutral point again because that's that nice, safe, relaxed, calm completely placid state yep you don't sit there breathe permanently out you don't sit there with your lungs permanently in but as you do that you'll find that you will really change because you're actually be focused on yourself you're focused on breathing out everything that's really really bad cough it out shake it out whatever works for you but the whole idea is to get all of that stuff that's been building up for weeks months years in the bottom of your lungs to get rid of it and make room for new. 
That's amazing. And I've just done that myself. And and I'm glad you said breathe back in because at one point I was sat there for a while <laughs> on the out breath. But actually, yeah. I, I could feel the tingle yes. of, of my endorphins, ultimately, yes. that I know that they are. So, so Richard, I'm going to do sort of a similar exercise, but I'm going to attach a laugh to this, okay? Excellent. All right. So we're going to take a deep breath in and we're going to just let out a long sigh. So deep breath in. I'm just going to go... <sighs> Now we're going to take a deep breath in. We're going to let out a long ha. Okay, so deep breath in. And ha. Now we're going to do, take a deep breath in. We're going to hold it for five seconds, and then we're going to laugh on the out breath for 10 seconds. Okay, so deep breath in. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and <laughs> <laughs> That was more than 10 seconds, but <laughs> it was, it was worth it. It, it was <laughs> worth it. It was worth it because ultimately, again, we've done is that similar to what you, you were doing really breathing out, um, possibly with a bit more of a endorphin kick. Oh, absolutely. That is shaking it all up there. It's really giving it a good old stir around and in a nice way. Definitely, definitely. So, so this this podcast is laughter and positivity with Pete. So, I always like to ask my guests, like, what positive habits do you have, Richard? What what few habits do you have on a day that you know bring positivity to your life? Oh, I'll go get my coat. Um, <laughs> what positive habits do I do? Um, one of the things that I've loved doing for the last fifteen years is open water swimming which is basically me jumping into a freezing cold lake, going for a good old swim around, and you come out feeling highly euphoric, quite cold sometimes. But it's a great way to really wake up the mind, wake up the brain. Yesterday, I went for a swim, and I'd not been swimming for a, for, for a, for a couple of weeks. And I was feeling a bit down. I was like, why am I getting out of bed, crawling out of bed at stupid o'clock in the morning? And my friend David, who was sort of like swimming there with me, because he always have to swim in pairs or more, um, we, we, we were there and um, he's going to go, you really want to do this? I'm going, yeah, I do. I really don't want to, but once I've done it, I know it's going to be brilliant. And so one of the best habits I've, I've developed is to actually to go swimming in the mornings. But yesterday was four degrees, so that's really not for everyone. Um, but um, it's great in, in the summer. It's great other times. And it's just a great way of uplifting the mind. And it gives you the opportunity to, to know that no matter how the rest of your day goes, good or bad, you've always done at least something that you can look back on and have enjoyed. So I would say start off the day with something for yourself, something that makes you feel good. And once you've done that, then the rest of your day, well, if it's anything extra, that's a bonus. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So, so where, where can people find you, Richard, if they're interested in, in talking and chatting and getting to know you a bit more? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not like the A-team. I'm quite easy to find. So smartinspiration.com is um, uh, my my website. And I'm more than happy to have a chat with anyone who fancies it on um, asthma to help them out, to help to give them any guidance. Um, and certainly, I think that uh, laughter yoga is a brilliant thing. It's like it's, it's like the, the next step of where I'd left off. So I think definitely you've got um, you, you've got that next step to show to people, which is brilliant. Fantastic. And Richard, final final question. What three things bring you joy? Um, hot countries, hot women, no, hot, hot, my, my, my hot woman. And um, I love uh, animals. 
I've got to say, I love animals, not in the same kind of way. Make that perfectly clear. I absolutely love animals. And um, that's one of the reasons why my pet sitting business, uh, my award winning pet sitting business has is actually doing so well, I think, is because I just love what I do. So there you go. Fantastic. Richard, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Pete. Thank you so much for listening to Laughter and Positivity with Pete. To access today's show notes and exclusive content, please head over to petecan.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for your next dose of laughter and positivity. Until then, remember, if Pete can, you can. <laughs>